Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Film School Podcast, this Wednesday the 23rd of September 2020. My name's Adam and today I'm joined by the film guru himself, Josh J. Luke. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks Adam. That's good. We have The Final Girl and the scary movie maiden, Emily Pratt. Hey Adam, how are you? I'm good, thanks. And last but not least, the rom-com expert, Chris Birchie. How you doing, Chris? I'm really well, thanks. I just got my winter power bill and it's much slower than last year's winter power bill. And the only difference from this year to last year is I've I've got an UDI. So yeah, the UDI.com is just saving me money. It's paying for itself. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we are not sponsored and we do not have a code to give you, but I hear good things. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Film School Podcast is a podcast where we talk about the movies that we watch each week, rounded out with a movie of the week, and this week's movie is none other than Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, you can follow us on Letterboxd, uh, so you've got myself for King Frogby, uh, Josh J. Luke, Emily MJP74, and Chris Birchie uh, is Birchie84. Um, and I apologise to all the previous episodes where I have messed that up. Uh, and you messed up mine again this one because it's actually EJP74. So, yeah. Is that not what I Good said? Good job. No, you said MJP. I was going to say, it definitely sounded like MJP. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, Good one, Adam. I went E. All right. I didn't even realise you were stuffing mine up, so, so, <laughs> so no apology needed. All the details are in the description below. Um, what did you guys watch this week? Well, I was going to start off my review by saying well done on the intro, Adam, because you've nailed it this week, but you still stumbled at the end there, so <laughs> maybe, maybe next one day. week. There's always maybe room for So I dipped into my back catalogue a little bit this week because I watched a movie a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to talk about but didn't get a chance, and that is He Never Died. It's a 2015 dark comedy horror film directed by Jason Krawczyk and starring Henry Rollins. It tells the story of Jack, an immortal who has lived throughout eternity and is just basically fed up with life at this point. He needs to eat human flesh or blood just because that's the way it's always been. So fate throws Jack into a whole mess of a situation and just to see him go through it with complete apathy is a grand time. Now, to explain why I like this movie, I sort of have to explain who Henry Rollins is. He's a very iconic singer for a punk band back in the 80s called Black Flag. He was also the lead singer of a, uh, another punk band called The Rollins Band. He's a well-known motivational speaker. Not even motivational speaker, he's just a public speaker. Like Most of his career is just made going around and talking about all the adventures he's been in. But in and of himself, he's a very insular person. And while he, he just always wants people to be good to each other, but it's just funny to see him channel he's just fed up with everyone's bullshit into a role like this because he just nails it so perfectly. And he's not the best actor of all time, but his natural personality, his natural charm feeds into this role completely. And it's one of those films that while it's clearly a genre flick and it's clearly a B-movie, it's self-aware that it's a B-movie and it's sort of a little bit of intelligent writing writes out of the same old sort of thing situation and yeah i really enjoyed it i gave it a three and a half it's one of those movies that i'd scrolled through on netflix scrolled past a million times and just always thought oh well, maybe not tonight and i couldn't figure out what to watch and then i decided to put it on and had a good time cool sounds worth checking out yeah hmm. um this week i watched evil dead from 2013 it's the remake um, just straight up, there is already um, an episode of this which is discussed in the Let's Scare Adam sister program that Josh and Adam are also running. So if you want to hear a bit more about it, they, I'm sure, go into a lot more depth than what I'm going to. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to share my thoughts because I hadn't seen this before and I also hadn't seen the original. So, yeah, it's the di directorial debut by, I believe it's Fede Alvarez. I'm not too yes, sure. Yes, yes. Good, good Um, And yeah, so as I already said, it's a remake of the 1981 horror film, which goes by the same title. And the basic idea behind it is that five friends decide to spend a weekend in a remote cabin, which is located deep in the forest. 
because one of the friends is going to try and overcome her heroin addiction. So what better place than a creepy cabin in the woods to try and do this? Very early on, they discover that the basement is full of dead, rotting cats and probably other animals, I think, which have been hung from the roof. And they also discover that there is a shotgun and a book wrapped up in, like, black tarp or plastic of some sort and wrapped with barbed wire as well. They then end up accidentally summoning a demon and from there on in they have to try and survive. So this movie grew on me by the end, but I must say that there were some really stupid decisions which just annoyed me from the onset. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, Like, I don't know. I don't know if I would have had a different opinion if I'd maybe seen the original or, like, knew, knew a bit more about it before I, like, started watching it, but... It came off as a little bit predictable and a little bit unoriginal in my opinion. So that's you guys can argue with me in a moment. How that's okay. quickly would you have gone but, home? Sorry. Continue. What do you mean? Oh, ex- that's and that's what I mean. That's why I was like, I, I'm so frustrated watching this. But anyway, like the reason why you should actually still watch this film though is because the gore is next level. Like there are so many just like sick like, gross, grotesque scenes, which are done extremely well. Um, and just the final, like, 10 to 15 minutes also, like, that that in itself actually earned itself an extra half a star from me because, yeah, it was just next level, so good. Um, so, yeah, I think if you go into this one just kind of expecting to see some sick scenes and some really kind of, like, fucked up shit, you'll have a really fun time with it. Um, I didn't find it particularly scary, just gory. But, Yeah. The all ending right. wasn't the ending wasn't um, predictable at all too, which was good. Yeah, like, yeah. The start was, but the ending wasn't. And mm. and I reckon, you know, I would have been leaving as soon as I saw a room full of dead cats. That's probably <laughs> a good sign. All right, all right. Okay. Whoa, you didn't find I... it scary? Come on, guys. No, this movie's not scary. I told you this when we did the episode. Yeah, but I didn't find it scary at all. I'll hop in with a little bit of sort of talk about the original. So... I can understand why this film would seem a bit predictable and everything, but it's because the original film sort of wrote the script that everyone sort of ripped off. Yeah, okay. So if you watch this, and the thing about the Evil Dead movies is they're not really to be taken too seriously. After the first one, they sort of jumped into comedy territory, like legitimate comedy territory. And when I was watching this, I've seen it a couple of times now, it just, I don't think it matters that the characters are real dumb because that's not why you're watching it. You know they're going to get off. I kind of liked it better because they were real dumb because I'm like, I can't wait to see you die. <laughs> and everyone dies in the best ways. So this is one of those ones where, yeah, if you want a gore fest, this is up there with the best, if not the best you can put on. There are so many scenes in this movie that are just sick, like absolutely sick. And one we talked about on the other podcast, but near the end of the film, a girl's hand gets crushed under a car. And she has mm. to pull it out to get away. And you just, the way they linger on the shot, like most other movies, they show a little bit of a cutaway. Nah, you see this whole <laughs> thing come off and it is legitimately grotesque and great at the same I'll, time. I'll, I'll have you know that they used that exact same scene in the babysitter from last week's episode. Uh, <laughs> except it's her neck. Yeah, so did they rip off that from Evil Dead? They probably did. They did, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I think all my thoughts are in that episode. This is terrifying. This is like everyone makes stupid decisions, which I hate about horror movies. But you don't care. <laughs> like, you, oh, it, yeah. Like, I like there's that bit in the section, the center where they actually try and get away. And by that point, it's too late. There's a river running through across the road. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, they sort of always in the originals. So, and I suppose this is one of those things where you're like, when they saw the cats, why didn't they just get out of there immediately? Even in the originals, there's always some sort of roadblock that stops them as soon as they try and get away from the cabin, so it's sort of a moot point anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Horrifying movie. <laughs> Don't recommend to anyone. Real fun time. Check it out. Um, right, so 
I guess I'll go next. Um, so the, what I saw this week was how to talk to girls at parties. Uh, so this stars. <laughs> just before was that, you, like just, research, Adam or no, no, no. Just I just, before you get started, <laughs> why do you always do this to yourself? All right, so it's late on like Saturday night. I am scrolling through Netflix, Stan, and Prime, and I'm like, what can I watch? And I want something that's not going to take too much thinking. I don't want a critically acclaimed movie. I want just something to, like, switch off to. This comes up. The premise is simple. Science fiction, romantic comedy, aliens come uh, to Croydon, London, and uh, this punk group of friends... uh, (laughs) has to interact and i was like oh yeah i'll check out this um yeah so it actually has like a pretty like interesting cast i suppose so it has like ali fanning uh alex sharp nicole kidman's in it um has like the guy from like little britain uh and a few other people it's it's british obviously uh yeah it's not great (laughs) Um, yeah, I was so getting ready for you to drop like a four and a half star review on this. <laughs> Say it was amazing after you threw Donnie Darko under the bus last week. No, no, this was actually like bad. Like, oh, not bad. Like, it's an interesting premise. It's really bizarre. Um, so, like, the, the main character, Henry and uh, Ali, Flan- uh, Ali Fanning's character, Zan. I'll just, um, I'll just fix it up. It's Al Fanning. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, they have, like, a romantic relationship. Um, she gets... Like, I'm just going to spoil it. She becomes pregnant, even though they don't have intimate relationships. She's real weird. She's from outer space. They all... All the aliens live in this weird house where they wear, like, um, BDSM costumes and clothing and, like, lycra. Uh, and they are stopping on Earth as, like, a tourist destination. And Ali Fanning rebels and decides that she wants to like just join and live on Earth with um with Henry, and then the ending just like the whole like the whole premise of the movie is stupid. But then like the ending just falls apart and it has like a really bad ending. And uh, the relationship between this punk seventeen year old guy and Ali Fanning um, create a new race of people. Uh, and new types of aliens, <laughs> and that's the entire storyline. And I gave it uh, two out of five stars. This sounds like one that Emily would just love. Yeah, no thanks. You <laughs> <laughs> um, sounds so bad. Why do this to yourself? Well, like I was halfway through it, and I was like, "Well, I want to give it like a review." So, I, like, I watched the whole thing because, like, I've made it in my that's head. True. I'm going to watch the yeah. whole film. You have to watch the movie to the end to give it a score, in my opinion. So you, mm. you had to earn that too, but... And, like, I, I, I will say that, like, the start of the movie right through to about maybe, like, the first story arc is, like, pretty intriguing. And I was like, okay, like, I'm kind of digging this. It's given me, like, it, it's kind of like that British humour. And then all of a sudden, like, it just goes nowhere and just, like, dives off a cliff. Um yeah, so... Not recommended. Not recommended. Oh, oh uh, get into something I'll, a bit more fun. I'll probably, I'll probably give it a watch, so I don't mind a little bit of a trashy one, but I do feel like you might need to be called the, you know, the trashy rom-com king or something like that, and, yeah, <laughs> there might be a name change for you. We'll give you a name, I suppose. Well, yeah, he doesn't have one, does he? Yeah, it's just Adam, isn't it? It is no. just Adam, but you're right. I, like, would definitely take the crown of, like, rom-coms, uh, I think, from... I was going to say, he hasn't really... Pro- he hasn't really got a good track record in, like, anything, really, so he hasn't given us anything to... <laughs> Give us a nickname oh, about yet. I'm sorry I choose a diverse <laughs> range of films from, like, bad and good. I'm not just all watching these critically acclaimed movies. It could just Either be the, the You know, the garbage man or something we could call him. Yeah, <laughs> that's not bad. I like that. You guys would never go... Like, you would never read this description and go, I'll watch this. See? Like, I can take the hit. I can go into these, like, genre that no one else is going into. But why? Is this some, like, why yeah, this isn't something to be proud of, Adam. <laughs> why are you claiming this like... Excuse me, we would never have had a review for Love Guaranteed from Netflix from like two weeks ago. And that was a great film. <laughs> was it? Did anyone uh, watch it? And no. 
It's it's like in the top ten list on Netflix. Come on, guys. That means nothing. Th- that means people are watching. That people watch terrible things. Yes, <laughs> and I'm a people. I'm a man of the people. All right, all right. <laughs> no, uh, moving on, moving on, guys. Uh, so I finished my watching of the American Pie. Uh, movies so number three which is called wedding and number four which is the reunion or american reunion uh so with number three american wedding uh there is to be honest some notable characters missing so there's no vicky no oz heather jessica nadia uh i had a bit of a read about why and it seems like they just didn't ask them to be in it or (laughs) so i'm not sure what happened there it just seems a bit weird uh but yeah anyway to start this review uh, all I need to say is fucking Kevin. Even his mates are over his speeches. Uh, he essentially just reminds me of the guy in The Hangover. He appears at the start and end, but no one really cares about or even knows who he is. Just doesn't really add that much to it other than a speech here or there. Uh, the Probably the most prominent part or most different part of this movie is Stifler's uh, a more prominent character. So he's... He's uh, in there a lot. He wasn't meant to be invited to the wedding of, uh, as it's called, American Wedding, the wedding of Michelle and uh, Jim, but uh, he manages to get his way into the wedding uh, via his charm or apparent charm. Uh, He has, yeah, some outrageous schemes, some really good dance-off scenes in a gay bar, and he does generate plenty of humour, albeit at times a little bit homophobic, which isn't... uh, it's not ideal, obviously. Uh, yeah, but uh, this movie overall doesn't reach the heights of previous editions. Even the music drops a bit. Uh, there was a good quote from it that I liked uh, from the wedding, and it was from Michelle. It was, uh, Stifler being a nice person is like watching monkeys use tools for the first time, which um, kind of made sense for his character. Uh, yeah, and the other stuff I liked from it was, again, just the start when Jim was proposing to Michelle uh, and... Unfortunately, Jim stuffs everything up by not bringing the, or not taking the ring with him, and then he has to call his dad. And unfortunately, or depending on which way you look at it, but unfortunately for him, his dad walks in, and Michelle has decided to be underneath the table mm-hmm. while uh, Jim, while his dad is talking to him about the ring. Um, so again, just another situation that he gets himself into, which uh, could have been solved if he was just a bit more. Uh, smart or smart about his decisions. Anyway, uh, so yeah, not as good. I gave it a two and a half. Five. Could nearly give it a three, but I went two and a half. Uh, and then the other one was just American Union. And all I need to say about that is if you haven't watched the earlier ones, so one and two in particular, I wouldn't watch this one on its own because it's more about you seeing where the characters have gone or got to from the beginning. So, you know, what's changed in their life, more of a nostalgic type movie. Uh, And of course it involves Jim getting himself into awkward situations. So that one is probably the lowest. I gave it a two. I could probably give it a two and a half. Uh, Yeah. So I'm not sure if you guys have seen them, but they're they're definitely worth a watch if you've watched the first couple. Yeah. I've watched the first three recently. I haven't watched Reunion yet, but I think the thing that stands out about like this series um, is just that it's so easy to watch. Like, it's not necessarily, like, good quality, but, like, the quality itself isn't, like, painful. It's still actually entertaining and enjoyable, I find. So, yeah. Num- uh, wedding is the one with the shaving scene, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's an all-time scene for me in this series. Mm-hmm. Why have I had a mental blank on that, the shaving? Uh, so, where Jim is male grooming himself... And oh, on, a ta- on a towel, and <laughs> then is someone going to come in? So he decides to throw it out the window. Oh yes, yep, into the um, into all the the and everything in the wedding yep. cake. Yep. <laughs> oh, great scene. Yeah, you just wish you could have stories like Jim. You know. Do yeah. you though? Yeah, yeah. I would not like to be Jim. Like <laughs> Jim's my worst nightmare. I love his dad. I think his dad is great. Eugene so, Levy is fantastic. He is. And I don't imagine you're going to go through all the straight-to-DVD sequels, uh, Chris, but Eugene Levy... I have seen them all. Um, Eugene Levy's in all of them? Yeah, he's the only character in all of them. Uh, I did notice, too, I think the Shermanator makes an appearance in... Uh, oh, I believe he does, yes. I also noted, and I don't know, this is going to sound crazy when anyone hasn't seen him, 
But one of the stifflers in the later ones, like one of the cousins or something, is in a bunch of Pepsi ads. And every time I see him, I just think, wow, your career really took off after these straight to DVD American Pie <laughs> yeah. movies. You mean you like see Pepsi ads all the like time? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Naked Mile. I don't know why, but this is making me want to watch. Like, you're just you discussing like these American Pie movies, making me want to watch like the Van Wilder movies. Please don't. Oh, no. oh, I can oh. guarantee that does not hold up. I'm not. I haven't watched it, but I just feel like you're going to get the most problematic time. <laughs> I'm definitely going to check it out. Sounds like it's right up my alley, especially. It does. Given, <laughs> given what you guys think of my movie choices. Is that the Ryan Reynolds one? Yeah. 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 yeah, I do remember liking them, but I don't know how I'd go now. I do know they jerk off a dog. So, <laughs> yeah, let's just leave it at that on that one. <laughs> yeah, we have a uh, very special segment for you guys here today. Myself and... Our good host, Adam, have sat down and ranked our favourite movies from 2019. Now, I know we're in September, but because we didn't start this until about midway through the year, we thought we'd get a few episodes under our belt before we tackled this topic. Because in my eyes, 2019 was one of the best years in film history. Would you agree, Adam? Yeah, 100%. Oh, end, of, end of an era for one of the franchises <laughs> yep i can't think of a year where this many great films came out and these many massive films too yeah well when i was like looking through like the list online of what came out in 2019 uh and we were just gonna list five our top five movies i was kind of a bit frustrated because there are so many good films and yeah, so we did cheat a little bit. We threw an honourable mention in there each because there was just too many. Yep, yep. I had six fives this year, and that's ridiculous. That's a decent amount of fives. I yeah. Actually, looking at my list, I've, the, I've rated all of these five as well. So um, why don't you start yeah. us off? All right, so I'll start us off with an honourable mention. I thought Olivia Wilde's Booksmart was one of the finest comedies I've seen in a long time. It was genuinely funny. It was sincere but not hokey. And it's getting a sort of title that it's super bad for girls. In a way, I agree with that, except I feel like the relationships here are potentially a bit uh, more well-crafted. More fleshed out, for sure. Yeah, and... To be fair to Superbad, Superbad holds up as well as you'd expect it to, which is better than it has any right to. But I just feel like this just, it's a great emotional ride where you're having a lot of fun and you really like the characters. Yeah. I couldn't hold it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this film. I think that there's definitely like a standout, like the scene um, where they take the drugs is just, the most fun. Um, I would say that I have rewatched this this year and it didn't quite hit the same way as it did the first time. And maybe that's just because I wasn't in the right frame of mind. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is de- definitely deserves an honorable mention for sure. Definitely check it out. And I'm glad we mentioned on the show because if anyone hasn't seen this, it is definitely worth a watch. For today's standards, it's very high level comedy. Yep. All right, so my honourable mention uh, for this uh, 2019 is Jojo Rabbit, in fact. Um, the film by Tika Watiki, uh, just a really good time. Uh, the fact that he's playing <laughs> with uh, the Third Reich, I think, is quite quite interesting in the way that he tackles like the issues around... Um, I guess like Nazi Germany and like the way that it influences the kids and um, yeah, it was great. It was really good. What did you think of Jojo Rabbit? I actually have not yet seen Jojo Rabbit. Whoa. It is on my list, but again, it's one of those ones where I feel like I have to be in the right mood for it. Um, as you probably noticed, I'm not the strongest comedy fan. However, I know this would be my form of comedy, but Sort of just been saving it for a rainy day, I think. it's. Yeah, I, w- I will say that, like, I don't think it's some of his best work. Um, 
Like it's 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 great, but I don't think it's anywhere near uh, what we do in the shadows. So it, uh, I believe, it won the Oscar for best. Was it adapted screenplay? Adapted screenplay, yeah. So based on, yeah. There's like a novel that he based it on. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna go from uh, five up, and do you want to just list them all? You go, you go first. List them like five, four, three, two, one, and then I'll go. Okay, so at number five, I have no surprise to anyone who knows me. Greta Gerwig's Little Women at number five. Blah. The <laughs> <laughs> this movie is just amazing. It's full of really sincere performances from everyone involved. The acting's phenomenal. The way they can make an old story seem so interesting and yeah, I just it doesn't feel like forced empathy either, which you can get a lot in these sort of films. You genuinely like the characters based on who they are. And yeah, it's a standout period piece, I feel, and it's the best adaptation of the work as well. Great. I don't agree with that sentiment <laughs> at all. Um, and like, but I haven't seen the original, and I went into this movie blind with no context, um, which I think everyone says does not do it justice. Well, it doesn't, seeing as it's based off a mostly autobiographical novel. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe that's... Fa- with it being a true story, it sort of paints it in a different light, I think. Okay. Or a mostly true story, anyway. At number four, I had another one you're definitely going to disagree with. I had Ari Aster's horror epic Midsummer or Midsummer, however you want to pronounce it. The okay. Florence Pugh making two appearances in a row on this list, I might add. Um, I cannot fault this film from pretty much any perspective, especially seeing as I am not as high on hereditary as a lot of people are. I feel the way he went from that sort of dark, bleak horror to somehow crafting one of the most beautiful films of all time, regardless of genre, from a visual perspective... And, yeah, I loved everything here. I'm not someone who found this scary. It's one of those tense, uncomfortable sort of times. Um, But loved who I I should have loved, hated who I should have hated, has a great payoff. And, yeah, I couldn't recommend this one more. Yep. I'm sure. this. I believe M has this in her top films of all time as well. Well, like, M was actually the one who showed me and sat us down to watch this film. Um, I, like, just didn't... Like, I like I enjoyed it. Well, enjoy is maybe not the right word. Watched it. <laughs> um, I, I think it... Yeah, it's never horror. It's really tense. They're just some, like, really interesting, like, long-lingering scenes that I feel like took me out of the film and I just didn't quite grasp. But, yep, I yep, I can see how that is a top movie for you. The thing with it, too, is that this is a very allegorical movie as well and the entire storyline sort of a metaphor for something else that is also happening in the film. So it's not really a film that sort of has that base level watch, whereas I think... You may have sort of got that because being Adam and so focused on being scared, it's sort of hard to, maybe well, hard to run into. It wasn't even that it was scared. It was just like, like, I just wish like one of them had like got away, <laughs> you know, like I just felt like, I, I always find that like I struggle with movies that are horror movies that just like, or that end and there's no like one person escapes or like but one person did definitely survive and became a member of a new community that treated them oh that's true i forgot about that that's like the main plot yeah 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 and the only the only one who when you watch this movie you want to survive as well that's that's valid it's just like a real trippy movie like i feel like if if i was like Cooked out oh, see, I don't know if I could handle it if I was cooked, but this film also has the best depiction of an acid trip I think I've ever seen in a film, or some form of uh, 
hallucinogenic experience because so many films just go over the top and they overdo it, whereas this one didn't. It just showed you, like, you were looking at pictures that you could tell things weren't right with and things were sort of moving in ways that they shouldn't. But it wasn't, like, you had to genuinely look to see what was wrong. Yep. Yep. But, yeah, Ari Aster's Midsummer, great film. Number three... I have a film we talked about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Celine Sciamma's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, yeah, as I said on the podcast, I think this is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, both in storyline, visually, the way it sounds. Um, this truly is a... To me, it's a perfect movie, Again, it will be a little slow for some people, but I was entranced from the first scene. Um, it may be a objectively better film than the next film I have on my list, but the personal attachment to what was going on wasn't quite there as much as the next one, and that's the only reason why it's sitting at three and not two. But yeah, nothing bad to say about this. I think we've already covered pretty much everything we need to say about it. Yep. So on to that number two, I have a film that is probably not as well known. I don't think you would have heard of it. It's a movie called Brian Welsh's Beats. It's Beats. The director's name is Brian Welsh. It is a Scottish film that is based on a play, I believe. It's shot in black and white, and it is set in the 90s where the uh, UK government are trying to stop illegal rave culture and it's about two friends who come from differing socioeconomic backgrounds who are very close and sort of have a friendship based in them both being sort of loners from their respective uh areas of society and they form a really close bond and one of them is moving away and it's the one who is seen as sort of the richer, more intelligent one. And it's about the... So they've never really done anything out of control because they've been scared of both authority and everything else. And on their last night together, they decide to say, fuck it, and go to... Or attempt to, or go to, I'm not going to ruin it for anyone, the a big illegal rave that they are holding as a protest to the new laws that are coming in. And the way friendship is depicted in this film and the way, so they use sort of amateur actors to give that real realistic feel, but it's one of those ones where you're just a fly on the wall and you're taking in everything that's happening and everything feels so real. And if you've ever been in a situation like this, you will definitely relate to it. And I have watched this twice now and both times it just feels, it gives me goosebumps and it's both the perfect and the worst movie to watch at the moment for how we are because it's going to make you want to go to a music festival. It's going to want to make you see your friends. It's going to want to make you go and rave and it's just phenomenal. And I put it in my top 10 films of all time just because... It, this is one of those films that really gets me and okay. does everything I love about film in a single film. So highly recommend it to anyone listening. Highly recommend it to you, Adam. It's a fantastic give film. A might give check that one out. Now, number one is going to be the biggest shock of all time, I think. Hit me. I've gone really, really out of the box with this one. I believe the best film of 2019 to be Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. I may be the first person to ever have this opinion. I don't know if anyone's actually seen this movie, to be honest. It's this little little known Korean film that, uh, yeah, just won every Oscar under the sun and deserved probably more than that. I think... See, the thing that I have about this film's sort of triumph at the Oscars is how robbed was Song Kang-ho, the guy who plays the dad, from a Best Supporting Actor norm or a Best Actor norm. It's ridiculous. I feel like, oh, yeah, we can appreciate South Korean films, but oh, the acting's just acting. 
It's not the same with subtitles. No. It's one of the best performances you're going to see. And didn't really get it much credit for it. I think this film is its perfectly written, it's perfectly directed, and it's perfectly acted. There is no film that blends so many genres without you even realising that it's changing. And before you know it, it's changed. Like, this film goes from being a comedy to a thriller to a horror movie somehow. It's... I don't even know. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could, like, so... so- just just jumping off that that's my number five is parasite um in terms of enjoyment like i really did enjoy it i thought like i can 100 percent see why it is the best picture for the year um i did find personally the ending a bit weird with like the dad um just sort of becoming unhinged and like i don't know i just didn't really like the way that that like i didn't see why he snapped in that way. Uh, it has a lot to do with the ongoing class. Yeah, yeah, like I get that. Movies. I just feel like it just, I, I don't know. I just didn't see his character going that way. Anyways, I... I, Do you, I, I will let, Just before we move on, I will sort of explain that one because I thought about it a bit too. And there is a bit in that scene where he literally moves his... So the richer father moves the stabbed daughter away so he can get keys to take his son, who's got nothing wrong with him, to the hospital. Okay. That's, I believe, why he snapped. Okay. Because someone's life isn't as important as your son who's, what, having a panic attack. Yeah, yeah. All right, I could see that. I could see that. And yeah, like, like as... I, as I said, like, I definitely think this is definitely one of the best films that came out last year, and that's why I've got it at number five. Uh, number four for me, um, just just going to keep going, uh, is Uncut Gems. Uh, for me, Uncut Gems is one of those films that I couldn't get out of my head. Uh, it, Sorry, should say it's directed by uh, Josh Safdie and Ben Safdie. Or Benny Safdie. Um, it, and, and the reason... It, it was one of those films where from start to finish, I was tense. I don't feel like I've ever been so stressed out for a single character who just continues to, like, unwind and make him... Get himself into more, like, precarious situations. Um, not to mention the fact that this is coming out of Adam Sandler, too he totally encompassed that character. Um, so for, I guess for people who don't know what the story is about, uh, he's a jeweler, uh, in, uh, New York city. Um, and he gambles as well. And I I don't really want, like, it's one of those movies you gotta witness it because the way that they build tension, the, the filter over the camera, everything about it is just tense and stressful um, but it was definitely one of those films that like lasted, I guess, or has like, I think about it quite regularly and how well it was shot. I hated watching this film. It is the worst time in the best way. Yeah. Because yep, the Safdie brothers take Adam Sandler's absolute masterful anxiety based performances. Cause it, or, even his comedy is fully anxiety based. And his drama, this was the perfect character for him. And yeah, just because everyone knows someone like this. Not to this extent. It's obviously a um, the peak of gambling addiction. Everyone knows someone who just has a bet on everything. Yeah. And so you get that real-life anxiety. We all understand what betting is, and we all understand people who do it. And the things he's betting on, too, like, <laughs> they're just... Such crazy, like, this isn't someone who's betting knowing what they're doing. He's taking the craziest chances. And the one thing I would like to share out on here, being a big Boston Celtics fan, Kevin Garnett is sick in this movie. Yeah, he does a great he job. He is the best. He plays himself, which in my eyes is one of the hardest things to do, especially when you have a set personality that people know. So yep. he plays like this hyper... So 
for anyone who's not a basketball fan out there, Kevin Garnett's this hyper-aggressive pump-up guy. And you get to see him play himself in like a lower-intensity situation. But he plays up how much of a dick he's perceived to be so well for a first-time actor. It's yeah, really yeah. a great sort of cameo. Oh, it's not even a cameo. He's a supporting star. I yeah, say. yeah, yeah. It, like, it, it's a really great film. Um, mm-hmm. it, like, definitely don't go into it if you want to chill out night, though. Like, it's... it's, it's oh, no. It's like no, you're, no. you're sitting down to go through the motions with this film. Um, so then, moving on, my number three pick for the year uh, was The Farewell. Uh, so this is by Lulu Wang, um, and it's an A24 film. Uh, and essentially, it's a, yeah, and a Chinese-American woman has to go back to China uh, when uh, their grandmother or when her grandmother falls ill. Um, so it's essentially everyone knows that she's got a terminal diagnosis uh except for the grandmother herself and it's uh what's it called uh what's her name sorry uh aquafina aquafina is the main actor who plays billy um and she has to wrestle with not telling the grandma the news about the terminal illness but then like because the family doesn't want to and it's i don't know it's just really well shot it's very deliberate. It shows you a different culture. Um, and I just really loved it. And I, like, it's just a really sweet story and really personal and close. Um, and also uh, a culture that we really don't get to see a lot of insight into. Um, oh, yeah. I haven't watched this one yet. And I've deliberately, again, not watched this one because I know exactly what it's going to do to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I need to be in the right frame of mind to put myself through that. Yeah, so it, like it's it's really good. Like it, like I I think that Lulu Wang has like as a director really like showed her stuff in this film and made it made a name for herself. And I'm excited to see what she produces next. Shout out to all the female directors out there. I know at least three out of my six were directed by females. So Ooh, it's been a great year the, for female directors. <laughs> cannot say the same for me. All right, number two, the greatest finale of 24 movies ever conceived in cinema, Endgame. Uh, Avengers Endgame, I should clarify. Uh, directed by uh, none other than the Russo brothers. Um, this is the epitome of how you finish three phases and 24 movies. Uh you need, you absolutely need to have watched every other film in the franchise because they take references from quite literally every single one of them, even the worst one, Thor Dark World. Um, oh, I was just about to say that. <laughs> it is, it, like, this year there were two franchises that were coming to an end, Avengers Endgame and Game of Thrones. And... I was so hoping that they would both finish in perfect form. And when I went to see the Avengers the week before uh, Game of Thrones ended, I was like, we are about to like witness history. And Avengers Endgame nailed it. Every single story beat, the theme, the Avengers assemble, like the set pieces, the fight. Oh my, I, like I was there like... Before the midnight screening, I got a screener like on the Wednesday at 8am. I was in the first showing of this film and I then went and saw it another two times because I just so into it. Oh, it was so good. Okay. I, I'm big on this movie too. Yeah. I love this movie. I I'll probably don't love it as much as you do, but I've got it very, very high. Yeah. like I would argue though. That Infinity was... Better? No, no, no. I actually believe that Endgame is better. But I would argue that it is not even the best action movie of the last two years. We're talking about best movie of 2019. We are. We are, because it's definitely the best action movie of 2019. But if you add 2018 into that uh, category, Ethan Hunt came in and saved the world for us once again, by the way, in 2018. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, this this was just like, this is like when you're building up and you're rubbing one out, and then this is just like the load. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, this was just I, everything that you needed it to be. I feel you. And I think my opinion on that potentially comes from the fact that there are so many good Marvel movies. That's true. Whereas Mission Impossible didn't start out great and then ended up being fantastic. so great. Yeah. But it's just a little gag in there. I suppose this movie is phenomenal. I don't understand the people who didn't like it. It's yeah. It's crazy to me. It's like... Those people are nuts. If my- you're going to this movie, having seen these films, you don't like it. Why have you watched all these other movies? It doesn't make any sense. Why are you still in this at this point if you haven't liked this movie? Yep. Yep. Couldn't agree more. All right. And rounding out my number one for last year and absolutely got snubbed at the Oscars is a movie that every single person should rush out and see. Uh, directed by Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. It is The Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, this uh, starring, sorry, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, it stars uh, Zach Gottensberg and Dakota Johnson. Uh, Zach Gottensberg is a Down Syndrome um, actor. This is the most heartwarming film of all time. It is the perfect feel-good Put on any time and just have a... Just go on a journey. You know what I mean? Shia LaBeouf absolutely nails his character. Um, Dakota Fanning and Shia LaBeouf's chemistry is awesome. And I think the standout is definitely um, Jack Gottensberg. He... The story is that he's trying to run away from uh, an institution and uh, wants to go and wrestle. And that's... That that's essentially it, but it the the comedy, um, everything about this film is just just so good, and this is why like this is in my top top list of movies of all time. I love the Peanut Butter Falcon. I, I can sit down and watch this anytime. Um, yeah, yeah. I've heard nothing but good things. I will. Uh chime in with one little fix up and it is Dakota Johnson not Dakota Fanning you're right it is Dakota Johnson <laughs> and not Dakota Fanning I'm from <laughs> she's from the was she the 50 shades of gray 50 shades of gray yeah. yep yep that's she's it. also in the remake of Suspiria which I have yet to see but wish to but yeah I think that rounds out our top fives for 2019 all right let's move into the movie of the week Okay, so Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark was directed by Steven Spielberg and released on the 14th of August 1981. It has a score by John Williamson and it stars Harrison Ford, Karen Allen and John Rhys Davis, um, among lots of others. It has a story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman, has a budget of $20 million and a box office of $389.9 million. Uh, I will just go out and say it. This is an instant classic. Um, outrageously critically acclaimed. Do you want to run us through the pot? Is, is someone running through the pot? I thought you were running through the pot. I thought oh. we just discussed that. Oh, yes. So the plot for <laughs> Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, starts out with uh, Indiana Jones uh, running through the jungle uh, with uh, an additional Tomb Raider, stealing a totem uh, in, I guess, Aztec America. Um, Hijinks insured. There's this whole, like, all these traps and booby traps. Um, Just at the end, someone steals the totem, and and that sort of sets the scene for the entire film. Uh, He is an archaeologist and looks for hidden treasures. Uh, He then gets approached by a group of... U.S. leaders, the, it's uh, World War II Germany. Uh, not World War II Germany, sorry. It's just World War II times. Um, the Ark of the Covenant is something that the Nazis are looking for as the Nazis are really interested in all historic uh, relics and the Ark of the Covenant will unleash a sort of power that Hitler and the Nazis want. So Indiana Jones travels to... Uh, Nepal to catch up with a colleague who has a special amulet that will provide the location of the Ark. Uh, Indy and uh, Karen Allen's character 
have a previous rapport and a romantic interest. They head to Egypt. Uh, she gets captured. They grab the... Uh, they find the tomb where they have to find where the Ark is located. Indy goes and grabs the Ark. Eventually, there's a scene where the Ark... <laughs> Sorry, this is all going off the top of my head, so pardon if it's a terrible summation. Um, there's all these action scenes in between. They get to a scene where the Nazis have the Ark, they open the box. Indy tells Karen to look away. All the Nazis get wiped out by the power and wrath of God. And uh, they lock away the Ark for forever and ever. Um, what was everyone's thoughts of this movie? I love this movie. This movie is the quintessential adventure movie. This is this is being 12 to 13 in a nutshell. It's sort of built for that time. It feels like a roller coaster. It feels like you're on a roller coaster when you're watching it in a way. Um, there's everything. There's adventure. There's romance. There's thrills. There's scares. And yeah, it, it has a great score by John Williams as well. And it's just an all-time classic. Yeah, the theme song uh, definitely makes you uh, in, makes it really enjoyable. And to the analogy about the roller coaster, it's probably because most of us have been to some sort of a theme park, like a Disneyland, which has a Indiana Jones ride. I reckon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I I think what I like. So I, just just my history with this film is I got this box set for my dad probably when I was like year seven or something like that. So I was still probably pretty old when I saw it for the first time. But every single Christmas, um, this is our Christmas movie that we watch on Christmas Day. Um, I, like I just still think it. Like every time I watch it, it's just a good time. Um, the my favorite scene in the whole film is they're in the middle of Egypt and the. Uh, big Sultan rocks up with this giant sword and like <laughs> you're instantly thinking there's going to be like this 10 minute fight scene with the sword but no, Indy just pulls out the gun, shoots him, knocks him down. The, that is also my favourite scene. There's a funny story about that scene I believe I've heard somewhere. I could be making this up. Don't quote me on this. I don't think I am. But apparently that day Harrison Ford had gastro on set and just wanted to get off set as quick as possible as well. <laughs> So the sort of disgust and disdain he has on his face in that scene is he just wants to go. He just wants to get it done and go. Yeah, so that <laughs> scene was shot in uh, Tunisia and 150 members of the staff also got sick with food poisoning. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So glad, glad I didn't make that up. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, the, you know the scene where the little monkey does the salute? Apparently yeah. that took a week to get the footage. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, some other fun facts I've got is like, there's like the tomb scene with the snakes. So initially they had 2000 snakes on set, um, but Spielberg decided that it wasn't enough to like fully capture what he envisioned the scene for, uh, to be. And they ramped it up and made it 10,000 snakes. Um, mm. There were when lots I, of snakes in this movie. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, oh. Just because, like, during that scene, okay, like, that is the scene that fucked me up in this movie. Because I, like, watching it, I was like, oh, wow, they all look so realistic, but surely that's not a pit full of snakes. And then when I read that it was, like, 10,000, I was like, oh, like, I just, I feel sick thinking about it. Yeah. (sighs) And I was like, they're just literally lighting snakes on fire. (laughs) Oh, true. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) I also think that, like, the, like, and just like a really, and like another iconic scene. And I think that like Spielberg's just like a master. Like when you think about his like film catalog, it's just outrageous. But um, I love that, that shot where the sun's rising behind them and they're all like chipping away or setting and they're all like chipping away. And there's like the beautiful silhouette. I, I don't know why, but like anytime I think of this film, that's like the exact scene that I'm imagining. There's some really good shots in this that are so Spielberg to me and it sort of gets that childhood wonder and those childhood scares. Like, especially after the start where Indy looks like he's going to get trapped without the idol, but he finally gets through that door. And then you see the guy's body in the spikes. I'm like, that's such a Spielberg scare. It's just so fun and effective at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, mm. um... I, like I'm just like sort of ramping off like my favorite scenes. I love the the car chase scene as well. 
like through Egypt. I don't know why. Yep. Like, I just feel like he did the chase scene in like the best way you could. Like, it's not like over the top and fast and furious. Like, it's very much like everything seemed like mildly realistic. You know what I mean? Are you talking about the scene where he ends up being underneath the... Um, <laughs> like, mildly like, realistic, this one. Yeah, is this the one you're talking about? The, yeah. Like, that, was the one, that was the one I was talking about. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a cool scene, guys. I, was, I thought it was a cool scene. I was watching it going, what are you doing this? And <laughs> I love and it. The, the other guy tries to do the driver and he's just nuts straight off. I'm straight gone. <laughs> I love how, again, this is one of those movies where... You wouldn't have had to have pitched this to Harrison Ford because Steven Spielberg would have gone in there and he would have been like, so you play a college professor, but you're also kind of Superman? <laughs> yeah. And he would have been like, yeah, yeah, I'm all for that. And yeah, the chicks love you. Everyone loves you. The, you're the coolest guy ever. Harrison would have been like, yep, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, you got to admit, like, he's pretty dreamy in this. Like he, he, You could tell that he's enjoying himself here. And Harrison Ford's one of those actors where you could really tell when he just cannot be fucked. Yeah, but like he was all in on this was... one. Yeah, basically all the Star Wars. I'm a massive Star Wars fan, and you could tell Harrison Ford is not a Star Wars fan at all. <laughs> yeah, like my favorite letterbox review was, uh, "I'm the girl in the front row with the love you on my eyelids." <laughs> yes, yeah, saw that one. That was good. Yeah. I thought that was your review, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think the only other, like, fun fact that I sort of had was, like, every single set piece was um, created as miniatures because um, Spielberg really wanted to, like, visualize um, the sorts of direction that he was going to take. Uh, and Indiana Jones was uh, going to be given to Tom Selleck. Um, I did know that one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really glad they didn't choose that because I feel like... I don't know. I just feel like Harry... It's sort of probably... I, I think that works with the... Uh, power of hindsight as well because like yeah tom Selleck was a massive star in the 80s tv he has that sort of rugged look the mustache you can imagine him with like the first few buttons of his shirt undone and that curly chest hair popping out but because indiana jones is one of those iconic movies and it's one of those ones that you mentioned when you said tomb raider this movie's influenced basically every single adventure movie after it Everything's a rip off of this movie. Yeah, like even video games, like yeah, Tomb every Raider, video game, yeah, yep, Uncharted, all those things, all um, those are just indie rip offs. And like we could have said, it's like a fantastic like killer trilogy, um, but and, it's not. And then they went and uh, ruined it with the last one. <laughs> they did. The second one's not the best either. Oh, Temple of Doom's. It's good. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's a good movie, but. I am personally of the opinion that The Last Crusade is the best Indiana Jones movie. And it's nowhere near as good as Last Crusade or Raiders. So that's why I've got it a little bit lower. Temple of Doom. Yeah. Um, anyone have any other thoughts? Favourite scenes? Um, I think just for me, like, I did enjoy it. I gave it four stars. Um, just comparing it to the rest of, like, the Spielberg movies that I've seen recently. So that's, like, Jaws and E.T. It, like, wasn't quite on par with those two for me. So, uh, But I also hadn't seen this before, so I don't think it had, like, the nostalgic value that it probably has for someone like you, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun, though. Did yeah, agreed with all that. Good, good family fun. Something mm. to watch, uh... Yeah, with everyone, yeah, everyone could watch it and have a laugh at different parts of it. Yeah, absolutely. I like. I would say that this is just a like, it's a must watch. Like, if you haven't, it is. Seen yeah. It, mm. yeah, you definitely have to watch it once. And the comedy beats work really well throughout it as well. Like, they still hold up today, but it's very old Hollywood comedy. Like, it's very slapstick. You've got mm. the sort of raging uh, theme in the, the score in the background, and yeah, that's just a really good, really good movie. The only thing I don't like on a whole about the trilogy itself, and it's funny because it's once the thing they sort of fixed for the fourth one, which is clearly the worst one, is that Karen Allen isn't in all of them. Like, they should have stuck with one girl instead of trying to make him more of a Bond-type character. Mm. Mm. I'd be keen to see what, like, Emily thinks of the other two. That's true. I, I will watch them at some point. 
Well, look, like, I think that's a pretty good spot to round out the uh, the movie of the week. Um, next week, what are we watching, guys? Well, I'm personally thinking of ending things. <laughs> we are going to have such an interesting week, and I feel like this is going to go in so many different directions. You heard it first, guys. <laughs> Don't say I didn't warn you. No, uh, sorry. <laughs> we'll see you on no, the other side. I'm talking about, we, yeah. I'm talking about the two health guys. Day last week too, so uh, we need to be asking, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> No, don't worry, guys. Talking about the movie that's yes. on Netflix and that everyone's probably seen popping up a lot. So, yes, and I'm seeing a wide range of opinions mm. on this one as well. So that's the kind of topics that we like on this one. Yep, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Film School, uh, episode eleven. Uh, we will be back next Wednesday uh, to talk about. I'm um, looking to end things. Um, I'm thinking of ending things. I think of ending things. Thank you very much. You can follow us uh, on Letterboxd, uh, King Frogby for myself, J Luke for Josh, EJP74 for Emily, and <laughs> Birchie84 uh, for Chris. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>